Iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpeneth the, count, uh, the countenance of his friend. And that's what we wanna do is sharpen each other. And I feel like men need to be sharpened these days. There's a lot of things that dull the man uh, very quickly in these days. A lot of things that lure us in and trap us and make us less than what we really should be. And so we need to be actively sharpening. Uh, otherwise, we'll just be a bunch of dull dudes walking around. Uh, do you wanna be a dull dude? I don't wanna be a dull dude. So uh, let's, let's get to it. Why don't you grab your Bible, turn with me to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. Chapter four. Last, last year uh, in March, I did an Ironworks. It was um, one entitled Men of Faith. But what I'd like to do today is a little bit of its opposite. I wanna talk about faithful men, uh, a little different topic. Uh, what's the difference between men of faith and faithful men? Uh, there's a slight difference. It has to do more with um, uh, you know, our uh, willingness to stick to things, to be faithful, to stick to God's word, to stick to his plan, and, and to do what we as men are called to do. Uh, and the Bible tells us a lot about that. Now, one thing I have to say is that being um, faithful on our part is only that which is inspired by the fact that he is faithful. Um, our God is faithful. And because he's faithful, uh, if we wanna be more like the Lord, there's more scriptures, by the way, on God's faithfulness than there is about how we are to be faithful. But um, nonetheless, uh, we are called to be faithful. Uh, there used to be a thing where people go around and call each other, the church, we used to call each other the faithful. That, that was like a nickname of the church. Do we call each other that anymore? And maybe the question might be, you know, why don't we call the church the faithful anymore? Because I think sometimes we really can't give ourselves that title uh, because a lot of times we're faithless and we're fickle and we're, uh, you know, kind of fruitless and uh, we find ourselves weak and uh, we can't really call ourselves faithful. But there was a generation where that was the goal, a, a generation of men that said, let's be faithful men. Um, uh, what does that all look like? Well, it's, it's 1 Corinthians chapter four, where uh, I wanted to just start the discussion what Paul says here as ministers of Christ, which one of the things we talked about recently is we're all ministers of Christ. It's not just my job, the pastor, it's all of us. We, we talked about that, how we're all to be sharers of the gospel, uh, the, 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 the great commission from Jesus, go into all the world, preach the gospel. We're all into that uh, as Christian men, that's what we're called to be. Um, but in light of that, in Paul talking about his ministry, I think it's interesting how he puts it here in 1 Corinthians chapter four, verse one. It says, let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Now, Paul's talking about stewardship of that which the Lord has entrusted to us, the mysteries of God. Where do we find the mysteries of God hidden? Yeah, in the word of God, it's the word of God. And that's one of the things we as men are to be entrusted with. We, we've been given that stewardship of God's word. He gave us this Bible and we are to study it, to know it and to be good stewards of it. How are you doing at being faithful in that area of being a steward of God's word? I like the, uh, that's the King James version. Uh, the ESV puts it a little more um, in modern terms. This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards 
that they be found faithful. And the question is, do you apply the same standards of faithfulness to your Christian activity and walk and you know, life with the Lord that you would expect from other areas of your life? Um, would you, you know, for example, if your car, your truck starts once every three tries, is it reliable? Would you call that old faithful? Um, I've had a few of those cars. Uh, you just, uh, I've had cars that really built my faith, uh, my prayer life. Uh, my old 69 Land Cruiser, I mean, I was in prayer, anointing with oil. Uh, my, I, was, uh, I called it the Exxon Valdez because it had, I, I tried to find the leak, but it was, the whole thing was just one big oil leak. Um, and um, and I, it was great though, I never had to change the oil every day, just a new quart of oil there and just drove down there. Don't tell anybody, but kept the dust down on my dad's driveway, you know. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but I love that old rig, but it was not the faith. I wouldn't call it faithful necessarily, uh, but is your car, or, or, or what about this? If you went to work, oh, oh once or twice a month, uh, you decide not to go to work. Are you a faithful employee? <laughs> if your refrigerator stops working for a day or two every now and then, would you say, oh, well, it works most of the time. Um, and that'd be a bummer, especially if you have a couple ribeyes in there and the, and the fridge goes down. Uh, and you know, you wouldn't call that faithful. If you missed a couple loan payments every year, does the bank say, oh, 10 out of 12 isn't bad? Um, you know, uh, when we're talking about faithfulness, what about if you fail to worship God one or two Sundays a month or would, it, would you be called a faithful Christian? If you, if you didn't read your Bible, but oh, every so often, is that faithfulness? Um, see, I, I wonder if we've kind of dropped the standard altogether. What is a faithful man? A man of faith uh, that is a faithful man. What does that look like? And what should we be thinking about in that area? And I, I wish we could go back. It seems to me like there were some previous generations. And the only thing I have to go on is some of the old dead guys that I read. Um, and I think of some of their disciplines and their schedules and what they thought was important. And I just see a different level of faithfulness. Um, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing. I, I worry that our modern generations, maybe I'm just getting old and I'm sounding like, you know, it's not like the old days, you know, maybe I'm one of those guys now. But, um, but I do kind of wonder, have you ever read some of the writings of dudes from just the past generation? And you think, man, we're not even half as smart as those guys. You know, people used to call Ronald Reagan dumb. Um, do you remember when they called Ronald Reagan dumb as like just a dumb actor from Hollywood, you know, and stuff like that? But um, my wife got me uh, years ago, um, all the letters written by Ronald Reagan, uh, and some of them are like handwritten. And I got this book just full of these um, letters that he wrote. And it's kind of cool because they're letters to Nancy, letters to uh, you know, um, uh, you know, other countries and kings and presidents and prime ministers, letters that he just wrote. And there, a lot of them are by his own handwriting. And, and uh, if there's one thing I learned in reading all those letters that Ronald Reagan wrote is he was a wordsmith. He was nothing even close to being dumb. Uh, and it made me feel like, did I even go to school? Like, did I, did, did somewhere I missed the thing where you're supposed to talk with intelligence and uh, use words that are uh, full of color and meaning. And I just realized, wow, a whole nother level. That's just Ronald Reagan, the guy that everybody called dumb. Um, and then if you go back another generation, it's like the level of thinking. And, you know, when I read Paul the Apostle who lived a couple thousand years ago, like what happened to people's intellect since then? And, and ability to, you know, deal with difficult subjects. Um, you know, but, you know, we, we expect faithfulness and reliability from other things and other people. 
Um, but does God expect faithfulness from us? Well, the Bible seems to indicate yes. Um, you know, the problem is that our, in our religious activities, we see ourselves as almost somehow, it's like volunteer, like a, which I'm not knocking volunteerism. I'm so, we're so thankful for the faithful volunteers here at Athey Creek. Um, man, there's, there's people that just crank out the hard work. Um, and, um, and yet a volunteer is different than a, an employee. Um, and that's what's amazing. I, uh, some of our volunteers here at Athey Creek, I feel like I need to double their salary because uh, they, they work as hard as our paid staff. Uh, we have a ton of people like that uh, that work uh, hard here at Athey to make things happen. Um, but you know, it's funny how um, you know, we start to almost think, well, I'm more of a volunteer when it comes to the, the faithful man thing. You know, I'll show up when I need to and when I feel like I'm getting further from God, I'll kind of try to get closer and sort of once in a while check in um, and uh, for a volunteer, almost anything seems acceptable. If you're there just showing up once in a while, great, we're glad to have you. But uh, for a bond servant uh, who's duty bound, that's why Paul would call himself, I, Paul, am a bond slave. That's a slave by choice, um, where faithfulness is actually expected. Um, Matthew 25, uh, verse 21, uh, you know, this is, you know, the Olivet Discourse. Um, uh, his Lord said unto him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. This is, this is the faithful servant of the Lord. When he dies and goes to be with the Lord, what will you hear? Will the Lord say, enter thou good and faithful servant? Or we say, whew, you just barely made it. I smell smoke but you're here, congratulations, you know? Like, which one do you want? Do you wanna show up with smoke on your coattails or do you wanna show up being the good and faithful servant? Now, I do believe there's gonna be people who will show up, like the thief on the cross, praise the Lord for him. He's gonna show up in heaven uh, and he wasn't one who was faithful. Uh, but so faithfulness doesn't get you to heaven. His faithfulness is what gets you to heaven. But because he is faithful, you and I might wanna say, Lord, how am I doing at being faithful? Am I standing my ground? Am I doing what you're call, calling me to do? Am I being faithful in the small things? Like it says here in this, you know, over a few things. Um, and, and it seems to me like in the big picture of heaven and eternity, uh, you're gonna be given more uh, in heaven uh, if you were faithful in the small things here on earth. Isn't that an interesting thing? I, I, I do wonder, what, what does that look like? Heaven's quite a mystery to me. Um, I feel like I know more about hell in the Bible than I know about heaven. Um, heaven is gonna be glorious. Tears are gonna be wiped away. No more sorrow, no more pain. There's, it's just gonna be glorious. But, but there's, there's some things that make you wonder, like how are people gonna all be, do you think everybody's gonna be happy in heaven? I think so. Um, there's gonna be joy in heaven. There's gonna be rejoicing around the throne uh, before God. I mean, and, and even heaven, like, is it even just kind of a place or is it more of an existence? Uh, there's all kinds of questions, you know, that we have. But it does say when, when the, this heavenly scene here, you know, you've been faithful over a few things, that is on this life, on this earth, but now you're gonna be given more, ruler over many things, uh, enter thou into the joy of the Lord. That's heaven, joy of the Lord but he's gonna be faithful over, uh, used over many things. So does that imply there's gonna be some guys that get to heaven and they're not gonna be given many things because they weren't faithful here on earth? Well, breath, then that guy's gonna be bummed out in heaven. Is that what's gonna happen? Well, this is where uh, we use the pot banging theory. Remember the pot banging theory? Um, it's like this. Um, you know, when, when, uh, 
when a little two-year-old is sitting on the kitchen floor and mom gives the little two-year-old some pots and pans and there the little two-year-old boy is sitting, king, 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 banging pots. Uh, that's nothing but a good time right there. I mean, as a little, little two-year-old, man, the capacity to enjoy that is, is right there. You know, uh, now, now when, you're, when you get old, uh, pot banging doesn't quite do it for me like it once did when I was two. I don't sit on the kitchen floor, ding, ding. Oh man, I got a headache. It's gonna give me a migraine, you know? Uh, and oh, that's, what's that noise, you know? And, and, and you know, I've, I've done enough pot banging. It's, it's old school. It's not even fun anymore. Uh, it, it, I'd be bummed out. Now, what I like is horsepower. Raw uh, horsepower. No replacement for displacement. So if I jump on my dad's GXX, GSXR 1000 and just take off, uh, man, hang on for the ride. And that thing screams, Yoshimura motor. He took out the Suzuki motor, put a Yoshimura motor in it and the thing screams. Um, it doesn't even hit its power band until the RPMs, like, like uh, it, it's, it's, it's shocking when you really get into the power band. And uh, to me, have you ever just kind of been so, like just so under horsepower that tears start flowing down your cheeks? <laughs> See, that's what makes me, you know, some people watch movies. I, I ride GSXR motorcycles and, and tears flow of joy uh, as I'm just, you know, laughing under my helmet. Um, now, um, that's exciting. Now, now, the two-year-old, if I put the two-year-old on the GSXR with me, okay, just hang on, here we go. <gasps> now, now, will that two-year-old be okay? Um, probably not, I know, I was that two-year-old. My dad used to stick me on motorcycles when I was a little kid, and I did not enjoy that, I really didn't. Um, I like being in control, actually, of the motorcycle. But, um, but, but the point is, the capacity for me to enjoy something uh, you know, that's a little more advanced is, is much greater because, uh, and, and guess what? The little two-year-old's having a total great time banging the pots. And, but I don't like that, it's kind of old school. I kind of like something a little more intricate, it involves a little more dollars, uh, it, it takes a little more bravery, uh, and it's just a different level of adrenaline. Um, why? Because my capacity to enjoy that's different. I wonder if heaven's gonna be like that. Because the two-year-old's having a blast, and the guy on the Jixxer's having a blast. It's all fun for everyone, that's heaven. But the question is, what will be your capacity in the eternal picture? And I think that has to do with what you do with this life, how you live this life, how you serve the Lord. Are you a faithful man who's living your life for the Lord? And, and, and who are you gonna be in heaven? Are, you gonna be, are, are we all gonna walk into heaven and go, oh, there he is, oh, how cute. Bing, 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 I'm in heaven. Bing, 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 and that's great. You'll be happy, you'll be happy. And we'll go, that's so cute, you know. Um, I'm joking, because we won't be condescending in heaven probably, but, but I just don't know that I, I wanna settle for the lesser uh, you know, capacity. And, and that's a, even my illustration there is clumsy, I get it. Um, but I think it has to do with everybody's gonna love heaven. And some of you guys might be sitting here, but as long as I make it, I don't care, I, I'll be a pot banger. Some of you might just be happy about that. I get that too. Um, just to be there is, is gonna be wonderful. Um, but when you start living your life long enough and you kind of start thinking, Lord, I, I wanna serve you. And it's not even just so that I can have wonderful time in heaven. It's because of, I think it drives me even more because of his faithfulness over the years to me. It makes me wanna be faithful to him uh, and serve him and walk with him and do whatever I can to live my life for him. And, and uh, that's, that's what we're called to do. Um, you know, faithfulness is the topic of the day. And that, that's what I would want you to kind of ask yourself. Are you that faithful 
man, faithful in what ways? We'll talk about that. But um, I, I remember thinking the, you know, the snapshot of what faithfulness is. Um, when Pompeii was destroyed by the eruption of Mount Vesuvius, uh, maybe you've, some of you guys maybe have been there. Uh, you can go and see, there's a place where um, you know, a whole town and, and, and many people were buried in the ruins of this eruption of the, of the ash and heat and all that stuff. But, um, but the people were so quickly incinerated, they were preserved. Like you can see families huddling in cellars uh, that were just you know, cooked right where they sat. Uh, and it's kind of a shocking thing to see uh, there uh, in Pompeii, this whole scene. Um, but um, they, you know, they, people found upper rooms and buildings and uh, cellars. They were trying to you know, uh, go around. But one of the more interesting ones that I thought was um, shocking is they unearthed this one guy who was l- literally kind of frozen in place. And what was he doing? Well, they, fig- they realized he was one of the Roman uh, sentinels that was there on duty to stand uh, guard um, at the city gate. Um, and they've pretty much deduced, but even by what they found in his weaponry and everything, even on his sword, his hand on the sword, um, uh, there at the city gate, uh, they believe he was placed there by, by the captain, um, his hands grasping the weapon, um, and there with the earth shaking beneath him and uh, you know the floods of ashes and cinders covering him, uh, he stood his post. And, uh, and there he's still there after a thousand years um, and, and you know, you kind of think, wow, is that, that, that's a guy doing his duty right there. I mean, uh, most people would have run for their lives, but I think, boy, you know, when that's when men become faithless, when we run for our lives and we take off towards sinful things and we dump the duty that the Lord has called us to have and do. Um, and I wonder, I wonder how we're doing, how are you doing at being uh, faithful. In the modern days, I almost wonder if there's a difference. I told you about the old school generations of the men seem to be more duty bound and more into faithfulness, it seemed in some ways. Um, I wonder what changed. I, I wonder if perhaps it's a, um, a worldview. And that is we in modern times are so driven to be successful. Um, now, is there anything wrong with success? No. But one of the things in the Bible we have to kind of remember is what is success? You know, if you listen to Joel Osteen, which you shouldn't, but if you do, um, man, it's all about success, the victorious you, living the fullness of you and finding the, awakening the giant within you. And when you look, you actually find a pipsqueak there, but, um, but like the whole Joel Osteen positive mentality, everything, it sounds so uh, you know, wonderful. And you know, he's got his serious satellite network channel because people want to be encouraged to be successful. Um, that's that's kind of his push. Uh, and, and the reason why pastors like me sort of uh, br- you know, bring out Joel Osteen is because he never talks about the true gospel. The true gospel is you're a horrible sinner. He'll never say that. He'll never talk about hell and death and punishment and wrath, uh, and, uh, but it's all about victory and success. Um, and uh, the problem with that is, I always like to measure a, a guy's sermons. Would Jesus fit into that sermon? Um, or Paul the apostle even, or any of the apostles. Would Jesus fit into a Joel Osteen sermon? Um, you can live victorious. You'll, you'll do better, you'll be better. And as I do this and that, everything's gonna be successful. Um, well, Jesus uh, on Joel's standards, well, he was despised and rejected, hated of men. Uh, he ended up on a, hanging on a cross 
in Jerusalem, bleeding, uh, suffering. Now we know, you and I know, Jesus was successful uh, in his endeavor, but, uh, but it was not what Joel preaches, that kind of thing. You know, the Bible teaches, deny yourself, uh, take up your cross and follow Christ. You'll never hear Joel talk about that. Um, and, and it's not just Joel Osteen, there's a lot of churches and a lot of Christianity that it's all about success. Uh, some guys go to church and I hope, if you're here, I hope you don't look at you know, Ironworks as a place, and I don't think that Athe Creek guys are like this, but if you're new here, um, it, this is not a place, we don't gather around here to uh, necessarily uh, interact and network and get to know dudes so we can do business and, and move or shaker kind of stuff. That's not really what we're doing here. Uh, if you think that, I know there's some men's groups that get together for those kinds of things, but um, <clears throat> what I think we're called to be is not as much uh, successful as the Lord would call us to be faithful. When you read your Bible, the Bible doesn't say be successful all the time, over and over, and it doesn't talk about that. It talks more about being faithful. In fact, the more successful men in the Bible are almost, almost always the bad guys in the Bible, and the biggest failures in the Bible, if, if you wanna call them that, um, which we know they're not, but in worldly terms, they're failures. Um, compare two prophets of the Old Testament, for example. Was Jonah successful? Anybody wanna answer that? <laughs> I hear kind of yes or no. Was, was Jonah successful? Yes, he was. Arguably one of the most successful guys in the Bible. Um, why? Well, you know, he ended up saving maybe a million people. Um, <clears throat> you know, if you look at his success rate, <clears throat> he went in to Nineveh and did what God told him to do uh, and uh, preached and the whole city of Nineveh, the Assyrians, which were horrible people, um, real sinful, real ugly, horrible people. Um, <clears throat> and they all repented and they all got saved. And you could say, wow, Jonah, he was one of the most successful guys in the Bible. He really was. Um, but, but if you know the story, he was kind of a loser, like a complete loser. Oh, he was successful, but he was not faithful. In fact, he was kind of faithless. God said, go, Jonah said, no. Uh, go into Nineveh and preach, and Jonah said, no. Pew! He goes off the other direction, and it goes down to Joppa, uh, where he jumps in a boat and goes the opposite direction of Nineveh. And the ship's carrying him away. You know the story. And the, the Lord says, okay, you wanna do this the hard way? I can handle that. <clears throat> so he sends a huge storm. And Jonah's just sitting there in the boat <clears throat> and the storm's going and they're all gonna die. And Jonah finally comes up. Okay, guys, the reason the ship's gonna sink, it's my fault, throw me overboard. And they said, we're not gonna do that. So they throw everything else over, over, overboard. Um, and <clears throat> the ship is still being tossed and they're just trying to survive this night you know, of, of a storm. And finally, they say, man, okay, we can't, we're gonna lose this, throw the dude overboard. So they grab Jonah and throw him over the ship. Um, that's not successful even right there yet. He's not seeing his success yet. But it's because of his not faithfulness um, that he ends up in the ocean. And then you know the story, big fish comes and gulps him down, barfs him up on the beach three days later. And you know, here's this half digested dude uh, on the beach. Uh, uh, and and he, gets, he gets up there and hikes over to Nineveh uh, and then preaches reluctantly, like he's pouting. If you read the story, he's like, okay, I'll go talk to the stupid Nineveh people. And he goes in and says, repent or whatever. And then, and then all the city goes, okay, we're gonna repent. Like, I think the scary half digested dude just freaked them all out. They're like, whoever he is, do what he says. He's a weirdo. Uh, 
But um, so he was successful in his endeavor. Question number two, was Jeremiah successful? Well, the answer is technically, well, if you're comparing, you know, Jonah was successful, a million people saved. How many people were saved in Jeremiah's ministry? Zip, not one person saved in the, in the 42 years of Jeremiah being a prophet. And man, his gig was a tough gig. Jonah had it easy compared to Jeremiah. I mean, Jeremiah was beaten. Jeremiah was thrown into a dungeon that was half, like waist deep in mud. So they plopped him down in there. He's standing there in a dark dungeon, half deep in mud. Do you think that was good for your complexion? Uh, you know, like one of those mud packs that these ladies get and stuff? Uh, no, his feet were rotting uh, in the mud in a dungeon. Like it would have been a horrible, horrible thing to be in a dungeon like that. Um, I mean, he, he was, uh, you know, hated, despised. Every time he spoke, people said, yeah, whatever, we're not gonna listen to you. Um, but he, he was technically not, in the world's perspective, successful. But I would argue that, um, that Jeremiah was, as some of you guys said before, he was successful. And I'll tell you why. Did you know of all the prophets in the Old Testament, guess which one Jesus quoted the most? Jeremiah the prophet. How many times did Jesus quote Jonah the prophet? Zero, Mr. Successful uh, was not quoted, you know. Now Jesus did talk about how even as Jonah was in the belly of the wells, even so the Son of Man will be in the belly of the earth, you know, three days and three nights. But um, so he used it as an example, but never quoted Jonah, but quoted Jeremiah over and over. In fact, in Matthew chapter 16, um, isn't it something, remember when Jesus asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? And one of their guesses was, some people think you're Jeremiah the prophet. Um, this is interesting to me that Jesus uh, was mistaken for Jeremiah the prophet. Why is that? I, I would suggest for a couple reasons. Um, Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet <clears throat> because the people wouldn't listen to him. So he'd weep over cities and stuff like that. So remember when Jesus rode into Jerusalem and he wept over it? He said, oh, Jerusalem, if you'd only known in this thy day. Um, I wonder if they thought he was Jeremiah just because the weeping part of his ministry. But I also wonder if, if Jesus and his steadfast faithfulness to what he was doing, if, if they, they saw Jeremiah sort of behavior. Um, I, I wonder about that. Um, <clears throat> no one ever thought Jesus was Jonah. They didn't say, they think you're Jonah, come back from the dead. Uh, Mr. Pouty, even after people got saved in Nineveh, what did Jonah do, go and sit and pout under his gourd? Uh, it's, it's kind of a really weird story, the whole story of Jonah. Um, now, there's, there's, there's things about Jonah that I'm comfortable with. If the Lord can use a guy like Jonah, he can use guys like us. That's, that's good news, thankful for that. Um, but, but at the same time, I wonder if, um, if, if, if God would prefer that we be more of a faithful man like Jeremiah. I, I think as I read the scripture, I mean, the Lord kind of has to whip Jonah into shape because he's out of whack. But Jeremiah, you know, there's a couple times where Jeremiah said, I'm no longer gonna share the word of God but then he said, but I had a burning in my bones that he would just keep sharing the word. He just kept doing it. Why? Because that burning was that faithful desire to do what God called him to do. Man, that's what I think the Lord's looking for today. Not as much just great men of faith. I wonder if he's looking for faithful men. Men that will stand their ground, men that will do their job and do it whether the world deems it as a successful thing or not. See, that's, the, that's why there's a little bit of trickiness with the Jeremiah Jonah, who was successful, who was not. The world would say, well, Jonah was the most successful and Jeremiah was a failure. 
But in God's economy, it turns out the faithful guy was the successful one. And the other guy well, was a little more dubious. Um, men who stand their ground. Um, by the way, one of my favorite biblical examples of faithfulness goes back to 2 Samuel. Would you flip over to 2 Samuel in your Bible? Um, uh, I love these, these uh, men that are listed. These are the, this is called the catalog of David's mighty men. And um, who were the mighty men of David? Well, remember, they, they were all gathered to David. Um, when David was all depressed, just after he faked being insane in front of the Philistine city of Gath, um, he was scratching on the gate of the city and drooling down his beard. Remember that story? Well, in the next chapter, after he drooled on his beard and was acting like a madman in front of the King Achish, um, he, he, he goes and runs to a cave called Adullam. And there in Adullam, he just sits there. And he's hiding from King Saul and depressed and bummed. And suddenly a bunch of guys show up to the cave and they say, David, we're with you, man. We're gonna be your army. And who were they? Were they awesome dudes? No. They were men that were in debt, in distress, and discontented with life. <laughs> They're just a bunch of losers. But what I love about these guys, as they hung out with David, they all changed. David was a mighty warrior. David, as a kid, killed Goliath, the giant. And David had killed tens of thousands of soldiers in battle. So as these in debt, in distress, discontented men gathered around David, 600 in number, um, they all started, as time went by, they started acting like David and fighting like David. And pretty soon, their military exploits were incredible. Um, uh, and, and there's a great list here in uh, 2 Samuel uh, 23. Um, but I'll, I'm just gonna show you one of my favorites because this guy is the poster child uh, for faithfulness, if you ask me. It's 2 Samuel uh, chapter 23, verse 11. And it says, and after him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Herorite. And the Philistines were gathered together into a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils or beans. And the people fled from the Philistines. But he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it and slew the Philistines. And the Lord wrought a great victory. What was this guy's job? It was to guard a hill of beans. That's a figure of speech that we use. <laughs> you don't amount to a hill of beans. Uh, I, I, I looked up that expression. Um, beans are, I guess, fairly easy to grow, uh, commonly used as a daily expression to indicate something of little value. Uh, consequently, someone who isn't worth a hill of beans uh, is seen as being worth very little. Um, uh, now, um, the older saying actually goes back, uh, I was looking at the beginnings of this saying, uh, not worth one bean. That was the original saying in 1297. Um, but um, uh, Robert, Gloucester of, uh, um, Robert of Gloucester wrote in his English Chronicles about the, you know, the Americanized version saying uh, th that's not worth a hill of beans from 1863. Um, and then it was more famous in the movie Casablanca, believe it or not, for you movie guys. Uh, but that's where it all came from. Uh, so you're not even worth a hill of beans. Um, but here's a guy who lays his life down for a hill of beans. I think that's funny. Shama. Um, this guy Shama, uh, what does he do? Um, it's, it's interesting to me that, um, you know, the Lord, it says, wrought a great victory. So the Lord said, I'm gonna do this through this guy. It's not that Shama was all that. It's just that the Lord said, 
What am I gonna bless? I'm gonna bless the guy who takes his job of guarding the hill of beans, seriously, and watch what I'm gonna do with that. That's what God says. Because it says, the Lord wrought a great victory that day. One guy wipes out a whole army of Philistines single-handedly guarding a field of beans. You know, if, if I were given that job, Brett, you're in charge of the bean field. Um, I'd, I'd be like, how would you like them cooked, the Philistines? You know, because like, yeah, that's all yours, man. March right on through. Uh, I'm like, why would you stand your ground? It's interesting. And if you know your military history, there's certain places that were like the hill of beans that people stood their ground. And like, what was it? Hamburger Hill there in um, uh, Korean War. I think it was Korean War, the, the Hamburger Hill, where the guys, they just determined to say, we will not let this ground go. Uh, and, you know, it cost countless lives. But, but the, the men were determined to hold Hamburger Hill. It, it, even though it, it was just a piece of ground that didn't really mean anything, it was almost philosophically more what kept them in it to say, we're not gonna give up this ground. But I almost wonder, do we even have men of that caliber anymore in the world today that would say, I'm, I'm gonna stand my ground even if my life is at risk, even if it doesn't seem to be that important or that valuable. I feel like we're a culture of men largely in the modern days. It's kind of like we just don't hold anything worth dying for anymore. Um, as I study history, I wonder, do you think men of America, now I know we have great men and women in the military and stuff like that. Um, and I, I sure hope we still have men of caliber of some of our previous generations, even recent, you know. But I, with all this inclusion and all this, you know, uh, you know, uh, stuff that we're teaching our soldiers and military now about uh, LGBTQ and like, if you look at the recruiting videos of America right now versus China and Russia, it's a little scary. Um, we've gone really soft, it seems. And I know guys that were really the old school faithful, you know, military, uh, you know, uh, caliber of greatness but they got them out because they wouldn't get a vaccine or because they wouldn't get this or that. Or, you know, uh, like it's, it's funny, I'm seeing a lot of the good guys, at least guys I know here, they've been out or, or getting out because it's just, you know, it's, it's, we've kind of lost our minds. Makes me a little nervous. I wonder, you know, when, when, when <laughs> you know, think about World War I. Uh, you got the, the trenches there, you know, and, and that was, you know, the, the shell shock and which, you know, that's what they used to call, I think it was P PTSD, but they called it shell shock back in those days in World War I. But can you imagine, like, this is the way it was. You're, you're in mud and you're cold and people are dying all around you. Um, and then it comes your, your time to get, go up and try to, try to gain some ground. So you're there in the trench and all your buddies are there. And the first group of guys are told to get up and climb up out of that trench and move forward, press forward. And the first guys, they get their helmet just over the edge and pff, a bullet, and they fall out dead right next to you. Um, the next group, okay, you're, it's your time, go. And, and that next group of guys climbs up there and they might get up waist, just to the waist level and then get, pff, they're down. Like this is the way it was. If you, if you read about this in history, that's why they thought it was Armageddon. They thought World War I and it was the end of the world. And now it's your turn. What do you do? Okay, it's your turn. You know, I, I think today in our culture and with the men of today, you might say, well, Brett, that's not very smart just to get up and go. Well, see, we're, we, we're a different group of men today. Maybe would we even follow those orders? Would, would eventually you kind of say, yeah, we're not going. Uh, and everybody turn on their you know, uh, leadership. Uh, who knows what would happen there? 
But do we even have the, I'm not even sure with our safety corners and places, you know, uh, like I'm just not even sure uh, we'd even make it uh, to the battle. Um, I, I do worry about that. But then when I think about the spiritual um, strength and faithfulness of men, I see even perhaps a weaker, uh, you know, tendency today. What we need is men, they'll stand their ground. You know, what, what happens today is, um, men that would have been normally a, a man of great faithfulness and strength, um, he's, he would have done great except for his iPhone. He's just a little too lured into some pornography that's gonna derail him as a man. And it's gonna ruin his faithfulness and his ability to serve and to be a man of duty and honor. Just a stupid little iPhone. Or maybe it's the guy who, you know, yeah, he's supposed to be faithful, serve the Lord, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, in business, cut corners, don't really be honest. You know, when, when uh, on the job site, oh, so what, we did this wrong and, and uh, it's gonna cost the, the you know, the, the owner or whatever, but, but oh well, you know, that's just the way things are done. And because of that lack of integrity, there's no faithfulness there in business and honesty and integrity. So it ends up being, well, you lose ground there as a man. I wonder if the greatness of generations past, we just don't see things the same way. And, and we don't see things as uh, like faithfulness as being something that is worthwhile. You know, um, it's Colossians 3.23 says, whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. You know, it's almost like we worry about more, as long as men are okay with me, other dudes think I'm all right, then I'm okay. But the Bible says, actually, the Lord is the one that matters. He's the audience that you are uh, serving and the one that you actually should care about. And, and uh, as it turns out, can you say, man, whatever I do, I'm gonna do it heartily, not hardly, heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. You know, if you're, you're given a job to guard a field of beans, maybe you, you might say, well, Brett, I wanna do great things for the Lord. I wanna serve, I wanna... I wanna be on the mission field, or I wanna you know, lead, I wanna you know, make lots of money so I can help people do better and blah, 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 whatever, whatever that is. Yeah, that, that, those are nice endeavors, but what about you know, standing faithful in your home as a father? Um, I, I feel like dads don't see the duty of fatherhood um, as something to stand faithfully in. Um, I almost feel like dads are almost better at coaching Little League faithfully than actually training their kids in things of godliness, things of holiness and righteousness, um, or so soccer, the communist sport, or football, <laughs> um, the American sport. Like we have to really watch out. Uh, dads, like how, how much are we, are we being faithful in the things that actually even matter? Oh, Brett, sports are great for kids. I, I, I agree with you. I'm 100% with you on that. I, I grew up playing all the sports. I love sports but there's this huge emphasis that is way out of whack and dads are messed up on this one. Um, watch out dads. Are you faithful in family devos? Uh, do you do as much devo as you do uh, sending your kids to soccer practice? Because I'm gonna tell you this, soccer practice will help them with um, you know, some life skills and stuff like that and interpersonal relations with other kids and what it means to be an athlete and part of a team. Sure, those are all great things but family devos are a thousand times more important than that. Do you understand that, dads? A faithful father will teach his children in the ways of the Lord. Train up a child in the way that he should go, the Bible says, and when he is old, he will not depart from that. 
Um, one thing that soccer, they're gonna depart from that. Eventually, gravity kicks in, your kid's gonna grow up, he's gonna get fat and old, and he won't be playing soccer anymore. But, but eternity's coming, and the question is, have you prepared your son or your daughters for eternity? Have you been faithful in that? Because that's the one that matters more than anything else. Uh, I, and, and the good news is, dads, um, it, it's not an either or. You can still do soccer and coach and do all that stuff, that's great but don't neglect the most important one. See, this is the kind of faithfulness I'm talking about, that we have to be really, really careful. Um, in this day and age, I think people kind of forget this idea. We think, well, you know, whatever, time goes by, and you know, I've got time. So we, we, we kind of dilly-dally on the things that are important, but you older dads and grandpas, you know in this room, that time just zips by. Um, Billy Graham, if you ask Billy Graham when he was still alive, what was his um, biggest regret? He said it every single time with, and tears would flow. He said, I would have poured into my family. I would have taught my kids. I would have spent more time, you know, and he did great things for the kingdom of God. Uh, big crusades and gospel message, but he, he, he would always say without even hesitation, my failure was my family. Um, old Franklin gave him a run for the money on rebellious Franklin Graham, if you know the story, but later came back and started walking with the Lord. Now he's, um, uh, you know, Samaritan's Purse and doing some pretty cool things. But uh, it's interesting that even old Billy Graham feels like he failed in that area of faithfulness. One of the more faithful guys you'd kind of think in, in history. Um, you know, in Luke chapter 12, similarly as um, Matthew's account of the Olivet Discourse, um, in Luke 12, it says, and the Lord said, and, uh, who then is that faithful and wise steward, whom his Lord shall make ruler of his household to give them their portion of meat in due season. Blessed is that servant, or happy is that servant, whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Of a truth I say unto you that he will make him ruler over all that he has. Proverbs 28 speaks of faithfulness, um, and Solomon knew about this. Uh, it says, he that tilleth his land shall have plenty of bread but he that followeth after vain persons shall have poverty enough. A faithful man shall abound with blessings, but he that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. Do you guys know, do you guys know guys that do the get rich quick thing? Does anybody know that? I know guys like that. There's guys at Aether Creek that do that. Um, yeah, there's a guy who knows. The get rich quick thing. Man, if I had a dime for every dude that I've known over all the years of ministry that said, oh, I'm gonna be wealthy, I'm gonna do this. I've had guys write big numbers on a napkin and slide it across their Pastor Brett. I'm like, what's this? Uh, well, that's the number. What, what number? Uh, that's the number where we're gonna, I'm gonna help you build Athey Creek's building. Did you know that every time a guy's that done that for me, I've not seen one dollar of that? Um, one, one guy wrote, you know, big number, uh, could have built our church building. He said, yep, this is what, uh, and, and it's because he had done something or found something or was on this new track of getting money. Um, and I, I feel bad because I think I turn off wealthy guys in our church. If you come and talk, hey, Pastor Britt, we're gonna help you. And I'll, don't be shocked if I go, yeah, whatever. Because I've just never really seen that. Um, the, the, what I have seen is faithful men who are just faithful, who didn't say a word really about it, but they just, because of their faithfulness, the Lord's blessed their socks off and they've been able to give. We've, we've had some guys do some really um, amazing gifts to Athey 
uh, to help us, uh, you know, build and see what, you know, what's happened here at Athe. I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome. But none of those guys were, yeah, you know, we're going to launch new ministries. Uh, that guy never shows up. Uh, that's that's kind of funny. Um, I, it, the get rich quick scheme thing, if you're doing that, it's time to repent of that. Uh, the Bible says, if go till your land. You know, go out and get some blisters on your hands. Go do some hard work. Um, uh, he that does that, he'll have plenty of bread. Um, but the, the person that follows after vain persons shall have poverty enough. Now, I'm not even sure that Solomon's talking about poverty of money as much just life poverty. You might even be successful. The, the mover shaker guy that I'm talking about, those guys can earn a million dollars today, but tomorrow they can lose the million dollars. Have you ever noticed that? Those guys earn and lose at the same rate. And they end up one minute being really wealthy and one minute being really broke. But the faithful man shall abound with blessings. It may not even be financial, but it'll be blessing nonetheless. But he that maketh haste to be rich um, shall not be innocent. Uh, watch out for that, guys. We, we wanna live our dreams and do this, you know, launch this thing and live our lives. And, you know, we, we get all excited about stuff, but what, what the Bible sort of implies over and over again is the Lord's into you and me as men is just being just faithful. Just be faithful to the things the Lord has called us to do and called us to be. Um, and sometimes it feels a little bit like your garden a field of beans, Sometimes, you know, being a dad who does family devos, it's not a flashy, you know, thing where you're gonna get all kinds of accolades by your neighbors or the people at work, but you being faithful nonetheless will pay off. Just stand in your ground, stand in your guard, not being easily moved. There's an old Persian parable, sort of a legend <clears throat> of a king that needed a faithful servant and had to choose between two candidates um, and so he wanted to find out which one was most faithful. So he gave them both a job. And they said, he said, um, here's two baskets, basket one, basket two, and here's a well. And I would like for you to take these buckets and dip into the well and scoop it out and pour all the water uh, out into these baskets um, until the well goes dry. Well, the, the, uh, the guys were like, okay, well, let's do it. So dude number one starts bailing water out of the well and putting in, pouring water. But as soon as they'd pour the water into the basket, the water would just flow out. There was a basket. Um, and, and the first guy, after like five minutes of doing it, he's like, what are we doing? This is ridiculous. There's no reason for this. The guy says, hey, the king's paid us to do a job. I'm just gonna keep doing it and be faithful. So one guy kept doing it. One guy threw the bucket on the ground and walked away. Well, the king came by and said, hey, where's the other guy? He said, well, he didn't see the value, but um, neither do I, but I've just kept doing what you told me to do. And the king said, you're the one I want. You're the faithful one. You see, the king had a, um, there was a diamond ring that had fallen in the well and he wanted to empty out the well to get to the ring. And in case they scooped it up, they, he wanted to make sure that it was strained through with the basket. There was sort of a reason why he had them pouring water into baskets, but he didn't tell them. I wonder how many times the Lord does that. He gives you a job and you don't always know why you're doing what you're doing. If you're a high school dude and you're there just saying, why am I here at high school? I remember sitting in high school thinking, why am I here? How, how am I ever going to use math in my lifetime? And the answer I found out is no, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> thank the Lord for that. Uh, 
I hated math. Now, I am thankful for guys that know math and can do it, but I'll leave it to you. Uh, um, I'll do other things. Um, but, but I remember just sitting there thinking, why am I here? But you know, um, the, the question is, instead of asking yourself, why am I here at high school right now? What you need to ask yourself is for what purpose am I here? And what does God want me to be faithful in, in this high school experience? If you, if you realize that it's not there just to study math, it, yeah, it's that too. Or, you know, turn off your cell phone in church. Um, faithfulness. Uh, to be faithful, sometimes you don't even know why you're doing those things. But, um, but just doing it sometimes is, is what the Lord requires of you. And then he'll give you greater things as you go on in life. And, and it may not even be in this life, it might be in the next. The faithfulness is gonna pay off in the next life for sure. That's what the Bible says. And it starts to raise the question, <clears throat> you know, when God's blessing does not fully coincide with your expectations, sometimes you have to wait until the well is dry before you actually see what the purpose of all that was about. Why, for what reason, for what purpose am I going through these things? You see, where is a guy most tempted to not be faithful as a Christian man? It's when you're going through difficult times, when you're tested and tried. Um, but that's when you have to be most faithful. Um, you know, if you're a dude going through really hard things in life, maybe your marriage is on the rocks. Uh, maybe your job is on the line. Maybe your kids are rebelling and it's heartbreaking and you're going through a difficult time. Um, this is where your faithfulness needs to be locked in all the more. Um, and that's where the Lord will reward you openly as you're just faithfully serving him. Um, some of the greatest men of history were great men of faithfulness. Um, you know, John Bunyan, that uh, preacher who wrote Pilgrim's Progress back a long, long time ago, um, he refused to give up preaching. He would go out street preaching. Um, they put him in prison and said, Mr. Bunyan, you can come out of prison whenever you promise to cease from preaching the gospel. Um, he said, if you let me out of prison today, I will preach again tomorrow by the grace of God. Um, well, they said, then you must go back to prison. And, and he answered, I will go back and stay there. And if need be, till the moss grows on my eyelids, I will never deny my master. <laughs> till the moss grows on my eyelids. There's some imagery right there. Um, that's what he said. He's, he, he was a guy who said, I'm gonna preach the gospel. And you know, that was our, our sermon last weekend about going to all the world and preaching the gospel. How have you guys been doing with that? Here's a guy who says, I will go to prison before I stop preaching the gospel. That's faithfulness. Um, but the American guy who hears a sermon last Sunday about uh, preaching the gospel uh, might go, yeah, I should probably do that more. And amen, brother, preach it, Brent. Yeah, Jesus was right, preach the gospel. But then we go off and kind of forget about that. We forget about how, wow, preaching the gospel, that's what we should be about. That should be one of our main goals. And that's why we ask that question just, just for you. It's for you only to ask yourself this question. Are you a faithful man? Are you faithful? Um, and there's so many areas we could talk about. Are you faithful in your marriage? Um, you know, I, I think that's the, the gateway drug to make a man just be the most faithless and, and not faithful at all is when a guy is not faithful in his marriage, whether it's adultery or pornography. Um, you know, that's, that's the way to get a guy just already. I think Satan, you know, it's, it's like Satan. Um, the Bible says we're not to be ignorant of his devices. Satan has a playbook that he uses, you know, just like in the NFL, you got your playbook and, and your plays. Um, but if you have a play that works, do you keep running it? 
If it's a guaranteed, you know, first down every single time, uh, what if you just kind of keep running? Well, that's what Satan does. And it's the, it's the thing of, of, of making a man uh, unfaithful in the area of sexual purity. How you doing being a faithful man? And if you, if you struggle with that, we've done two or three ironwork sessions just on pornography that I would recommend downloading or listening to uh, because man, we gotta, we gotta fix that in the church of Jesus Christ today. Um, it's, it's the way you take the legs out of the brothers in the church of Jesus Christ, um, just get them stuck on pornography. And, and, and then, then you have not faithful men, you have men that are just sneakily trying to survive and sort of play the game. We need men of great faithfulness. Are you a faithful guy in your marriage? Are you, like I said, faithful as a father, teaching and training your kids? That's what we're called to do. Fathers and grandfathers that are raising our families and, and leading our homes. Are you faithful in that? Ask yourself that question. Are you faithful in reading the scriptures, the word of God? Um, well, Brett, I'm here on Ironworks. Well, that's good. But do you daily read the word of God? Because that's the morning manna that you need every day to, to have spiritual sustenance, man. You gotta be in the word. Well, I don't understand the Bible when I read it. Doesn't matter. The Bible says it's the water of the word that washes you. Jesus washes you in the water of the word. And you may not, you can say, Brett, the Bible goes through me like a sieve when I read it. At least you'll have a clean sieve. Um, that's what, why we read daily. We should just, even if it's five minutes, just to get up five minutes earlier and read. Uh, maybe you just, maybe you come up with a, a new pattern. Get up, brush your tooth, have a bowl of cereal, um, and then get in your truck. And before you fire it, or when it's warming up, for five minutes right there in your truck. I found my truck to be a great place to do devos in prayer. It's like a little sanctuary. Um, just read your word, start, just start with one chapter. Uh, that, that'll take you three minutes um, a day. But to read the word, are you faithful? That's part of being a faithful spiritual man. So faithful in marriage, faithful with family, faithful in reading of scripture, uh, faithful in sharing the gospel like we talked about last weekend, faithful as a worker. Um, having a work ethic that glorifies God and not cutting corners and not being dishonest at your work, but being a faithful man, um, faithful in keeping your word, being a man of your word. And, and that's, that's what a faithful man looks like. Like, man, we could just go on and on of what does the faithful man look like? Um, because I, I fear that the faithful man of today, well, they're hard to find. And I think it wasn't so much this, that way in generations past, there were a lot of faithful men as I read and I, and I look at kind of the caliber of, of men of old. Um, wouldn't it be great if Athey Creek starts a new kind of chapter in what manliness is and, and the major part of that is just faithfulness. Faithful to God, number one. Faithful to serve the Lord, to love the Lord, to read his word, to be a leader in the church, to be a leader in your home. Um, that's what we need more of. I'm thankful, I see a lot of brothers who um, show those signs. Um, and I, I think it'd be good <clears throat> if we saw more and more guys, especially you young guys, <clears throat> instead of saying, my goal is to be this, that, or other, like successful. Um, maybe what successful is in your mind, if you could just shift it a little bit, because success isn't always what God asks for. Um, I think what God asks for more than even success is faithfulness. And you show me a faithful man and I'll show you long-term. It may not show success right out of the gate, but I'll show you long-term success if a man is truly faithful. Um, may the Lord give us ears to hear and just a heart to be receptive really to that and, and for us to search our hearts. Why don't you do that right now? Let's bow our heads together.
And let's just seek the Lord a little bit here. <clears throat> and just as you're praying right now, just the Lord might just be putting certain areas of your life um, on your heart as a dude just saying, man, I, I could use work in this area of faithfulness. Um, and maybe it's uh, any one of those areas that I've just listed. Or maybe it's an area that I didn't list. There's, there's hundreds of things we could talk about when it, when it comes to being faithful men. But um, the Bible says the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Um, we could sit here and talk about all this stuff and yeah, I wanna be more faithful, but our flesh is weak and we, we find ourselves failing. So what do you do? This is where you gotta tap into the strength of the Lord and to ask the Lord for help. And if that's you, just ask the Lord, Lord, in those areas that you know of just right now, just between you and the Lord, would you just ask the Lord, Lord, would you build within me that faithful demeanor as a man? Just ask specifically right now, just you and the Lord. Lord, how thankful I am that you're gracious. Um, when we're faithless, you're still faithful. Um, your faithfulness is always the most impressive. But help us to be more like you, Lord. I pray that we would be men of true faithfulness. Faithful men serving you, knowing what our duty really is and what we're called to. Help us to prioritize things correctly. Emphasize the things that matter and and, and not get hung up on things that actually don't matter. Um, I pray especially with family and marriage and kids and all those things that are of such gravity, Lord. I pray that in those areas that the brothers here that are with us or, or watching online with us, Lord, I pray that we would be men that reevaluate and are sensitive to the promptings of your Holy Spirit even right now and, and that, um, that we'd give us the will to do what you called us to do, to be faithful men. So Lord, bless these guys. I pray as we consider these things and, and often we know we fall so short, I pray that you give us strength. Give us just a whole new um, uh, outlook that we would shape our lives around your word, not around what the world claims or says. Where we've been misguided, correct. Um, where we're doing well, affirm, Lord, but I pray that we'd be more uh, in line with your plan and purpose for our lives. Bless my brothers, I pray. We ask all these things knowing you've heard our prayer. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.